Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the business week ended 29th October 2021. This is Ian Haydock. In this episode, Lily goes head-to-head in Alzheimer's, Roche eyes new opportunities for Lucentis, Novartis doubles down on innovation, BMS seeks growth amid generic threats, and the new head of Boehringer Ingelheim in India talks to Scripps. Eli Lilly placed a target on the back of recently approved and controversial Alzheimer's drug Adjuhelm on 26th October, outlining plans during its third quarter earnings call to run a phase three head-to-head clinical trial testing the company's donanimab against Biogen Azize drug to see which antibody does a better job of clearing amyloid from the brain. Joseph Haas writes that the planned head-to-head trial, slated to begin before the end of 2021, and expected to report primary endpoint data during the second half of 2022, was just one of several major R&D updates by the Indianapolis-based firm. Lilly Chief Scientific Officer Daniel Skovronsky said the company completed enrolment in the 1,500-patient Pivotal Phase 3 Trailblazer ALZ2 trial of Donanimab and expects data from that study by mid-2023. Lilly has also begun a rolling BLA submission to the US FDA, seeking to complete the filing over the next few months and perhaps obtain accelerated approval of Donanimab before the end of 2022. With that plan, plus the head-to-head study, which is Trailblazer ALZ4, and the just-initiated Trailblazer ALZ3 prevention study of Donanimab in patients with Alzheimer's brain pathology but no symptomology, Lilly is building on ambitions to follow the approval pathway established by Biogen and the FDA and use it to take a leadership spot in Alzheimer's. We are committed to facing the challenges of effectively communicating Donanimab's clinical data and value proposition and to ensuring that the diagnostic and patient management ecosystems are adequately well prepared, Skovronsky told the investor call. To date, Biogen has gained limited traction with Adjahelm sales in the US following the product's accelerated approval based on its ability to clear amyloid from the brain of Alzheimer's patients. It's possible that positive data from a yet-to-be-started confirmatory trial needed for full approval of Adjahelm could improve prescribing and reimbursement. Assuming potential accelerated approval for Donanimab in the second half of 2022, our expected Trailblazer ALZ2 Phase 3 readout by mid-2023 would follow quickly, meaning the window of accelerated approval without definitive Phase 3 data is likely to be brief, Skovronsky said. The US FDA approval of Susvimo, a new port delivery system for administration of a customised formulation of Roche's Lucentis, will provide the Swiss company with a continued commercial opportunity in neovascular age-related macular degeneration as Lucentis biosimilars approach the market. Jessica Merrill writes that Roche's Genentech subsidiary announced FDA approval of Susvimo, a refillable eye implant for use with a customised formulation of the VEGF inhibitor Ranibizumab on 22nd October. It's the first of two commercial opportunities the company hopes to bring to the ophthalmology market in the next six months, the other being the first bispecific antibody for NAMD, Parisimab. Roche will bring Susvimo to market with a list price of $17,250 in the first year and $16,000 annually thereafter. 
The first year price is 26% less than the annual price of Lucentis eye injections if given 12 times per year, as described on the product label. Susfimo is a permanent refillable eye implant about the size of a grain of rice that can continuously deliver a formulation of ranibizumab over a period of months. It does need to be surgically implanted, but can then be refilled in the clinic. The surgical requirements could present some challenges to Roche when it comes to commercial strategy, given the need for surgical training and specific safety issues. The goal is to extend the length of time patients can go without needing treatment avoiding burdensome regular eye injections and potentially improving vision outcomes as a result of continuous treatment. Lucentis is a blockbuster drug for Roche, although it is maturing. It generated $1.11 billion for the company in the first nine months of 2021, but revenues declined 5% versus the first nine months of 2020. Roche only generates sales in the US, while Novartis sells Lucentis outside the US. Roche is looking to expand its presence in ophthalmology with new options as the first biosimilar version of Lucentis is expected to launch by the end of the year. Biogen and Samsung Bioepis' biosimilar version was approved by the FDA in September under the brand name Buviz. As Novartis launches a strategic review of its ailing generics business Sandoz, the Swiss major has hiked peak sales targets for its two stellar commercial successes, Cosentix and Entresto. CEO Vas Narasimhan noted that sales of the cardiovascular therapy Entresto soared by 44% at constant currencies to $924 million, driven by demand as essential first-choice therapy for heart failure patients, according to the company. In the US, sales have been boosted by approval from the FDA in February of an expanded indication for heart failure for preserved ejection fraction to add to Entresto's initial approval for heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. Kevin Grogan writes that Narasimhan believes this growth will continue and said that the peak forecast for Entresto had been upped to at least $5 billion from an earlier target of $4 billion a year. However, competition in the heart failure space is increasing from SGLT2 drugs, notably Lilly and Boehringer Ingelheim's Jardiance, which looks poised for a broad indication after it showed a significant benefit in a phase 3 study in HFPEF patients that Entresto and other rivals have not achieved in trials to date. When asked by Scrip about the threat posed by Jardiance, Narasimhan said that for the moment we haven't seen any impact from the SGLT2 inhibitors. He also stressed that the benefit of Jardiance in the near 6,000 patient Emperor Preserved trial came on top of standard of care, which now includes Entresto, and that's an important element in line with the guidelines, he said. He also spoke about exciting opportunities for the drug in Asia, saying the firm was in the middle of launching Entresto in Japan for hypertension, while growth in China has been strong. Novartis's other big seller, Cosentix, generated $1.25 billion in third quarter sales, up by 22%. Growth was driven by demand across indications in the US and Europe and strong volume growth in China. Overall, Novartis' third quarter sales grew by 5% to $13.03 billion, while net income climbed by 43% to $2.76 billion. Most of the questions for Narasimhan were about the news that Novartis has finally begun a strategic review for its Sandals Generics and Biosimilars business following years of conjecture and suggestions from the market. 
He said the options ranged from retaining the unit to separation in order to determine how to best maximise value for our shareholders. Bristol Myers Group reported $11.6 billion in third quarter revenue that exceeded analyst consensus on 27th October, driven in part by newer product sales, which more than doubled from Q1 to Q3. The company, under pressure to produce significant revenue growth before mega blockbuster Revlimid begins to face loss of exclusivity next year, also largely has seen success in its R&D pipeline since acquiring Celgene at the end of 2019. Mandy Jackson reports that volume-limited Revlimid generics will begin to launch in the US in 2022, along with generics in some ex-US markets. The Celgene acquisition brought the multiple myeloma drug, which is now BMS's top-selling product with $3.35 billion in Q3 sales, which was up 11% from the same quarter in 2020. The transaction also brought a pipeline of recently approved drugs and late-stage R&D programs that has added six new products to the BMS commercial portfolio to date. The conviction that we have that we can continue to grow the company is really driven by the belief, which is proving right, that the combination of strong growth from our inline products, and namely Opadivo and Eliquis, combined with the strong uptake of our launch brands, which is happening, would more than offset the loss of exclusivity of Reblimid internationally next year and then over time in the US, Bristol CEO Giovanni Caforio said during the company's same-day earnings conference call. The CAR-T therapies, Brianzi and Abecma, were approved in the US for lymphoma and multiple myeloma respectively during the first quarter and initial sales were reported in Q2. BMS said at the start of this year that it expects to generate low to mid-single-digit compound annual revenue growth through 2025, and by 2029 it anticipates $20 billion to $25 billion in additional annual revenue from eight new drugs. Those products include the six newer assets from Celgene that are already contributing to total revenue, as well as a potential first-in-class TYK2 inhibitor, Ducravacitinib, and the cardiovascular therapy Mavacamten, which was purchased in the $13.1 billion acquisition of Myocardia. Mavacamten is under review at the US FDA with approval to treat obstructive hypertrophic cardiomyopathy expected by 28th January. Ducravacitinib should be filed with the FDA soon to treat moderate to severe psoriasis. BMS expects to launch the drug in that indication during the second half of 2022. Finally, Boehringer Ingelheim's Country Managing Director for India, Vani Manja, outlines how she expects to shape the German group's growth trajectory in the country, while also dealing with the unexpected pre-expiry challenge to the local Jardians patent. The executive also discusses her personal career journey, learnings from her prior role in the US, and gives advice to women executives seeking to move up to the higher echelons of the corporate world. Manja, in the exclusive audio interview with Scrip, shares how she navigated the challenges and outlines some key strategic efforts underway to build further momentum in India in the German multinational's key focus areas such as diabetes and stroke. In her new India role, she hopes to further embed a culture that has certain defining characteristics, including one that is inclusive, ensuring psychological safety at a level that everyone has a voice, is heard and feel they belong, Manja said.
Please do check out the full audio interview, which is available as a podcast on the Informer Pharma Intelligence channel on all your usual podcast platforms, including Spotify. Many thanks for listening, and a reminder that these articles in full are all linked in the article accompanying this podcast, and that these stories are just a fraction of those published by Scripps' global team over the past week. So do please sign in to see all our full content, or take a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.